Hey guys, welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Kian, and uh, this is my show, the Project Zero Podcast. And today we have a special guest. He is Alan Paul Silverstein, and he is the CEO of Imagine AR. And um, he's an entrepreneur. And uh, yeah, um, welcome to the show, Mr. Alan Paul Silverstein. Uh, you know, you can just do whatever it says. You can just say AP, but thank you very much. What show number is this for you? This is episode one. So oh, this is number one. This is special. Then. This is very special. This is uh, this is gonna be one of the things in the books. History. This is oh, we're making the, history. Well, one is always it. So let's hope. Hopefully, we'll make it a good one. We'll make it entertaining. But thank you for having me in as your first guest. So I'm certainly honored to be your first guest in this. And you've been you've been around the company. I've seen your name pop up on posts. You've been very supportive. So I always believe we should support everyone. So let's do it. I'm here to answer your questions and let's see how good your questions are. And let's see if we can make this interesting and fun. So AP, so how did you become an entrepreneur? Uh, that's a tough call. I, I'm not good at listening to other people, unfortunately. So I was the guy who always got thrown out of classes back in school days and always wanted to do my own things. And I started my first business probably when I was 11 or 12, cutting lawns in my neighborhood and started a lawn service. And then always worked from then, always wanted to do my own companies, do certain projects. And even in my first year in college, I started looking, I worked in college for all four years uh, and then started my first company in my senior year. I actually spent most of the time creating my first computer consulting company. So it's something I always wanted to do. I always loved the entrepreneurship, the ability to create something your own. And obviously had a lot of crash and burns along the way as every entrepreneur does. And hopefully you pick yourself up, you learn from them and you continue forward. And it's not easy. You know, you get some big ones, you get some small ones, but I always wanted to do something that would make a difference in the world. I didn't want to work for anyone. I always wanted to create something unique and different and big. And certainly through the years I've had the opportunity, including in the past, a lot of people know I, I was one of the, the gentlemen, not gentlemen, people who founded the phone card industry in the United States and started on a kitchen table and uh, took it to NASDAQ in three years. And that was a pretty significant accomplishment, certainly in my in my 20s. And what was cool about that is starting as a regular person like you and everyone else, you know, walking the streets in New York and Queens and knocking on doors to sell cards. And ultimately, as the story has been told, I actually owned the Maha I got hold of the Muhammad Ali robe that he wore for the Zaire fight. And I had to sell it right away because I didn't have enough money even to pay my mortgage or food or support a family. And in that, I sold it to a very famous gentleman, uh, Shelly Finkel, who was a Vander Holyfield's manager, Pernell Whitaker, very big boxing and also rock and roll uh, promoter, very, very successful. And ultimately, he became my partner in the phone card business. And from there, you know, he helped us not only finance it, is to take it to NASDAQ. So it was kind of cool to have that ability where, again, I'm like everyone else, you know, just out there hustling. And that, that was probably the first big project I've had a lot along the way. Uh, and also in India with my wife, we were, we were in India and I had three companies there in India, which is even more challenging, certainly language and English and coming from America. Uh, and I had one as a post-production Hollywood studio. We did about 60 movies. We started with no clients. We ended up doing about 60 movies like Pirates of the Caribbean and Spider-Man and all these others is doing post-production work. So it's been a fun ride, mostly around creative and tech has been my focus. I don't know anything about manufacturing, so that's not my background. I'm not good at building stuff. I can't even fix anything in my house, but being an entrepreneur is getting a thick skin and taking years and years of, you know, learning from mentors. Shelly Finkel was an amazing mentor I've had through the years. Mm -hmm. uh, I work very closely now with Sheldon Inwintosh, who's, uh, who, who had, you know, financed us and 
helped Imagine Art become where it is. And he certainly has been a wonderful mentor as well along the way. Nice, nice. What are some of the, what are some of the principles that you follow? Like you know, mental models. Models is don't sleep, work all the time and make less than minimum wage. And people realize, you know, don't realize that entrepreneurship is a seven day a week, 24 hour a day business. And it always is and has to be. You know, there, there's always been a statement, follow your passion, but the reality is regardless of what you follow, it also has to have an ability to build a big future, you know, build revenue, be, I was like something significant and game changing in the world, but it's something that you are dedicated to every day. I don't think I've taken, you know, it's not necessarily a badge of honor. I have not taken a vacation day since I started in Imagination Park since I think it's April 18th in 2017. I have not taken a day off, including holidays and that, because it's just, there's always something to do to build it and grow it to be significant. And that's something I think in an entrepreneurship, a lot of people miss, but the ability to express yourself out there creatively and start seeing success. I mean, that's one of the most rewarding things, but I always go back to the three principles and a lot of people work through, through the years know it. One is, you know, customer service first and foremost always clients i'm not saying they're always right but always go out of your way no matter what day night weekends it doesn't matter if they have a problem you always make sure you're the first one to talk to them even if you don't have a solution to make sure you're addressing it but honesty integrity and transparency is most important in entrepreneurship build trust and build relationships and i think the relationships is key which is built on trust and honesty as all of us would like even in personal relationships so Again, entrepreneurship is, is, is a war zone. It seems like, you know, it's very cool when you read about all these wonderful stories, but everyone misses, you know, what I always say is embrace the grind, the, the hours and hours. Uh, you know, I, my wife and I, you know, she doesn't laugh much and I thank her for enormous patience because, you know, when I look at screen time, you know how you get the Apple phone screen time and it comes yep. back and says, your average this week was 18 hours a day screen time. I'm like, whoa, you know, that's, <laughs> that's separate from a laptop. So, you know, when you think about that, that's just, it's a lot of hours, but at the end, it's rewarding. And it's nice where investors, you've been, you know, I see some comments from you and I do see them. I, unfortunately, as most entrepreneurs, when you're in public companies, you remember the negatives more than the positives. And those are the ones you focus on. I take that and focus on being more competitive and more using it as a model to, uh, you know, dynamically get me motivated even more so. It's almost, what are we, four years now? And I still wake up every day and I go through the battle every day, start at six, seven in the morning tonight. And uh, that's the thing I, th I think when you look at entrepreneurship, the transparency, honesty, integrity, the relationships, the trust, belief in the product and yourself, because people are buying you, they're not buying the product and be ready to make it a part of your everyday life, no matter what's going on in your life, unfortunately. And that's the way it goes. And that's the commitment. But if you love it, you don't mind it. So you kind of use the, the negative comments as a fuel for you to motivate you and kind of like make you work harder, right? You see them and you know what, I, I get it. When you look at it, you know, being in a public microcap company is different than an entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs work on their own. They don't have the public eye. You get, you know, seed capital, friends and family, series A, series B. So you don't end up in the public eye with Imagining Art in particular, and in my phone card industry, we took it public as well. Mm -hmm. You know, investors wake up and every day is a, a red green day. I've been saying this more for, if it's a red day, you know, you suck. If it's a green day, oh, that's good, but it's not enough, you know? And I get it from an investor standpoint, you know, day trading guys who today is mostly retail, everything's negative. Oh, how do today, as a matter of fact, on this interview, we've got our seventh published patent today 
I saw that. One of the most significant error patents in the industry, for sure. We started working on it over three years ago and it just got approved. And that's delivery of AR content from a cloud to a mobile phone. If you think about that, to have the patent for that, mm -hmm. that's a pretty significant patent. But, you know, I won't look into the bourse later and then it'll be, oh, stock didn't go up, so no big deal or whatever, not realizing the accomplishment. But it's a grind. And at the end, you got to do what's right for the business, you know. But retail investors have to decide when they look at stock that not every stock goes up every day. Not everything's about green every day. If you believe in the sector, you believe in the management team, you believe in the deal flow, then you stay with it long term because that's just the way it goes. You know, you, how many stocks you could look at you know, over the long term of 10 years. And I don't want to keep saying Tesla, but got Tesla, Apple, Salesforce. It, it, these are multi, multi, you know, billion. billion. Everyone starts the same place. It's a grind. And everyone has the same concerns and worries as they go through with the business. It's never easy. Even when you feel like, you know, our March Madness last month, if you saw the amount of deals we announced, I still wake up the next day and go, what's the next deal? What's the next deal? You don't, it just, it gets done and you move on to the next one and you got, you just have a fire under yourself to keep going. And in our case, AR being as hot as it is these days around the globe, there's never any time to sleep. And there's a joke, I, I was on the Big Biz Show and Sully, <laughs> who's the host, I'm on that weekly. He's like, he said, you don't ever sleep. Like I, I'm on the phone with you 11 o'clock at night for the next show. And then at seven in the morning, he said, I'm getting another email from you. He said, what is wrong with you? And, it's part of the passion, but it's fun, but that's entrepreneurship, you know, and that is really what people have to expect and commit to. But being in the public eye under a microcap makes it a lot more challenging, but you shrug it off and you move on. You know, I get it. I understand, you know, and there'll always be people who are always going to write negative. It doesn't matter. And, you know, you move on. We're all adults. Sometimes I'm amazed at the quality of the comments, but you know what? They're sitting there watching. And I think it's more important is we're here doing it and making it happen. So either get out out of your house, get out of your mom's basement with your little keyboard and go be a big boy and try something yourself. Right. Or stay on the side or go invest in another company. But there's a lot of, I'm, I'm giving you a lot of run-ons, but hey, I figure what the hell, we'll make this different than all the other interviews. No, yes, no, totally. I'm so open to it. So you were talking about your company, Imagine AR. So for those people who are watching, what is Imagine AR and what do you think, you know, what are the your vision, your goal for the company in the future? So Imagine AR originally, when I came in, was a reverse takeover of a public company. It was actually at that point called Imagination Park Entertainment. And the focus of the company at that point was on obtaining content from, from writers, books, authors, or bloggers, and then selling it into Hollywood for stories or, or proof of concepts, whatever. And when I came in there, it just didn't look like a sustainable business model. It just didn't make sense to me as this is a public company because public company has enormous pressure and you have to produce results on an ongoing basis. And that really was not going to be uh, what I would say a sustainable opportunity of growth. So one of the advisors actually based in San Diego, they had been playing around back with the early HoloLens and the AR back in the day. And when I saw it, I realized very quickly that this could be something significant. So at that point, I took the company and we pivoted into the world of AR. So the original deal was a joint venture. The company is called Xeno Holographic. And actually back then is when the original patent, which just got approved today, was the focus. And we just started grinding it out and continuing now over four years. And here we are today is what I perceive to be one of the leaders in sports augmentation, you know, AR, fan engagement, the ability to use a mobile phone, delivering AR, whether MP4 videos, JPEGs, images, 3D models, and engage fans wherever they are, and then drive revenue. 
And that's really just been our focus. And we started small, it's hard, you know, as, as any entrepreneur business, uh, we moved our headquarters during the pandemic to Erie, Pennsylvania, which is a very tiny little town uh, below Toronto, three, three and a half hours away, which allowed me to commute to Toronto to see Sheldon and have meetings up in Canada regularly. But in there, it allowed me to go to the local sports teams. I always like to start in sports. Mm -hmm. And I've always been around sports. Even when we did the phone cards uh, with Shelly Finkel, we started in the sports industry because sports brings you visibility, brings you investment, brings you attention to Wall Street. And then sports brings you the brands and brings bring you the money. That's really the way I, I proceeded. So with Imagine AR, we started getting the Erie Bay Hawks, which is the G League team for the Pelicans. You had the uh, Erie Seawolves, uh, which is for the Detroit Tigers. And then you had the Erie Otters hockey team, which is an independent. So we started there. And then you fast forward today and, you know, we're working with Valencia in Europe. We're working with Real Sociedad. We have the Brazilian team, Grubhub, the big deal. So that's how you grow a business. You know, you grind it out, you test it out. And now we are a mobile AR fan engagement and consumer engagement platform global around the world. We just opened up Japan also. I'm pretty optimistic that although that's been challenging, I believe that will end up being a major opportunity for us as well. And, and that's what we do is AR engagements on mobile phones around the world. And when the glasses come up at some point down the line, and a lot of rumors are Apple will be coming out with them next year or the following, but we'll be ready for those as well. Nice. Um, so yeah, I appreciate your uh, insights on that. Um, what do you think about metaverse? Are you no, familiar I with that? Yeah, I hear the term. I mean, everyone has their own definition. What do you define? I'll tell you mine. So if you're sitting on the outside, I'm in the industry. So what do you see as the metaverse? Uh, I see it as like Ready Player One. So, you know, funny you said Ready Player One because our new NFT company, Oasis, is named from Ready Player One. And that actually came up from David Lukash, the CEO of Liquid Avatar. That's why it's named Oasis, is from Ready Player One. You know, everyone believes the metaverse will be a digital twin of everything physical in the world that mm -hmm. we'll be able to interact with digitally. And I think we're years away from that. You know, the people who are in Silicon Valley, New York, and, you know, Brooklyn, all the hip areas, they're all into it. And I like mentioning it. But if you look at the world today, which is 5 billion mobile phones and challenging Wi-Fi, there's 5G isn't everywhere. You don't have these strong networks. You've got to start somewhere. Is it something I believe will come in? Will the metaverse become minority report and we'll be living mm -hmm. more around less interacting? I think it'll happen, but I think it'll be more five to 10 years down the road than sooner. And there are a lot of air companies making their play now with VR and doing, you know, the AR concerts in it. And that's how you have to do it. You have to lay down the groundwork and you'll see some things that we'll be doing in this space as well as we go forward this year. But I like to look at things more granularly and realistic today because we have to drive revenue today. Metaverse is not going to drive the revenue today if we're looking at the sports world. Right now, the sports world's biggest challenge is how do I engage fans who are not coming into the stadium and arena to watch games, and we're losing enormous amount of revenue. And that's where I saw our focus is to leverage that and then grow into other areas, similar to what we did Grubhub, what I call a second screen immersion, the ability to use the phone to immerse yourself while you're engaged in an event entertainment that's streamed and ultimately it'll be the real world will it convert into the future into the metaverse yes that'll happen but i don't think it'll happen as soon as everyone expects it to be or as i would say the people in the ar club would love writing these articles say it's around the corner 
But mm -hmm. then how did NFTs just show up and surprise every one of them who didn't know anything about NFTs? And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, NFTs, yeah. Well, where were you predicting that a year ago? And you weren't. There were people in blockchain who were looking for what was the turning point and NFTs, you know, I think NBA Top Shots took the world by storm and demonstrated that a, you know, five second, seven second video highlight tied to the blockchain mm -hmm. would become the new digital collectible standard and then off would come NFTs. But all those those great experts of the metaverse who write lots of articles, no one said the NFTs, nobody came out with it. So the world will be based on consumer acceptance, demand and growth. It's not gonna be necessary the people who call themselves futurists mm -hmm. because they're not out like us every day trying to make a living, build revenue, grow a business. There's a big difference between pontificating on the stage and then waking up every day to stockholders who expect you to have announcements, deals closed and building it. And the metaverse is something we're all going towards, but it's not going to drive the revenue that we're expecting right now as a micro cap company. And that's why we're focused on what we do today, which is AR mobile phones. So for those who are listening and watching, what is NFTs? So an NFT is a non-fungible token. Like money is fungible. I can give you a 20, you can give me back a 20 and it's fungible. Mm -hmm. Non-fungible token is really like a digital certificate for a collectible that it's one, one that can be tracked. Again, back to the blockchain, another technical term is, you know, basically a written record across multiple servers around the internet, around the world that when combined can confirm in detail that that is a specific original that cannot be hacked or in any way fraudulent. So having an NFT, non-fungible token, is really like the, we call it the digital baseball card, right? It's a unique collectible mm -hmm. that is numbered, tied specifically to a specific blockchain. It could be Ethereum as again, sort of like the, the Bitcoin world, or a different monetary, you know, a DeFi some kind of financial uh, currency, but can be tracked. And then the province can be traced from beginning to middle to end who owned it, where it went. So, you know, it's not fraudulent as well. So what's funny is back in our day, baseball cards and those were the collectibles. And even now the baseball card collector market has gone through the roof. The numbers, I had so many cards, I had a huge collection. And I actually sold it to finance my phone card company. Mm -hmm. Because that, I couldn't have a phone card company before I met Shelly Finkel, who then financed the rest with the Muhammad Ali robe and so forth. But when I look at the cards today, I had, you know, the Gretzky Opeachy rookies. I had the Michael George. We had all that, but I sold it all. And now everyone's grading. They're selling for hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars. Your generation, the younger generation, you live by the phone. So to you, the digital it's cool world, or digital that why can't I have it on the phone? The phone, why am I taking a card and then carrying it? Or even worse, I want to get it graded because they're collected. How are the corners? Is it centered? I mean, that's a major part of the baseball world and the and the collectible world, the conditioning that is eliminated in the world of digital NFTs because everything's in perfect condition digitally. It can be tracked, province is tracked. I can know it's it's real, it's not fraudulent. And then I can transfer it to people. And also the person who originally created the artwork or the NFT can also participate financially. It's, it's an amazing model. It's a perfect model as we go forward. And I think what happened is the pandemic, which had a huge impact on AR. Mm -hmm. The pandemic moved up the adoption of AR, I think three to five years. It was, we were the cool kids in the town, you know, before the pandemic, that's cool and nifty, but how do I make a living? And then when the pandemic hit, it just moved the adoption up when sports teams and consumers realized, you know, we got to engage how we're going to do it. And mobile phone is COVID friendly, you know, socially distant. 
and you can get to people wherever they are. And NFTs is just another natural outlier that just came out as a tipping point. And there'll be books written on NBA Top Shot and all the people on NFTs and people, you know, who created that for, and sold that for 69 million. million. You're going to see a lot of this come out. We're all living in a crazy time, but I think it's not necessarily a fad. Yes, it's it's frothy, as they say. The numbers are growing, but it'll shake itself out. Not everything everyone produces is a collectible. You know, Gronk of, of the uh, Tampa Bay, you know, Gronk came Gronkowski. out with a yeah. collectible, and then he got hit with a cease and desist by the NFL because he infringed on the colors and their images. So you can't just keep throwing it out. And that's why with Oasis, with David, we he came up with the idea is let's do NFTs but with an AR component, the ability to point your phone at the NFT mm-hmm. and have an enhancement. That enhancement could be a story, could be a 3D model, it could be a pure example of immersion experience with the NFT. So it's a very cool, unique storytelling opportunity rather than just here's the version of a digital baseball card, go collect it, which there will be a place for. But because there's such demand and interest in NFTs and every organization out there is looking at NFTs, whoops, sorry about that. No worries. Uh, you're going to see too much product come out. And we always tell people, you know, collect what you like and love. Don't just assume whatever you buy, you're going to turn around and flip. And that's not going to happen. Not everything goes up. Same as stocks. Life is not just green. We go green, we go red. So mm-hmm. get something that you believe in, you enjoy to collect, and you want to experience it, make part of your daily life or something you enjoy in a hobby. If it goes up, that's an additional benefit. But don't spend your whole time chasing every NFT that comes out purely because I think I'm going to flip it and double my money. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I think I think it's, there's, there's a lot of supplies nowadays because people are trying to make quick bucks because they want to flip it. Right. They want to flip it right away. Correct. Yeah. There's a lot of supplies and there's, I mean, there's, there is a lot of demand, but there's a lot more supplies. So I guess. And wait till three months from now. It's good. I know it's coming, you know, and that's why we, Oasis with David, we did something unique. We've done food ones. We're doing ones with May Pang, which tell a story of John Lennon. So people who are Beatles fans. Uh, so we're trying to make it unique. We have Marvel artists so we can create unique artwork and interactive comic book experiences with NFT. It's, there's a uniqueness we're going for, which is more storytelling and brand communication rather than take a picture, hurry up, flip it, put it on an NFT and just assume everyone's going to chase it and it'll double and triple. It's not going to happen. And you're seeing the frothiness now in the market calming down a bit. And that's what happens when you over, you know, overtake the market. But yes, there'll be places for them and we'll continue. And you're seeing NFTs for houses, right? And NFT for products. So the NFT world is going to expand and there's great utilization out in the market and we'll be a part of it, certainly with Oasis. And I think the AR component adds an interesting twist of uniqueness when you can get storytelling and an immersive experience in the NFT for whoever owns it too. Wow. That is crazy. So you basically, you have an NFT and then the, uh, once you have like with your phone, with the AR activation, it activates, you know, it moves, right? Is that how, how the life and it could tell it, so it could be a comic book. It could be the next story of the comic. It could be the animation. It could be the artist explaining what the all comic is like, but we want to make it immersive and fun and exciting to life. Not just here's a photo and then go get it. And I think, uh, where are we now? We're in April, so it's coming up soon. You'll start seeing the releases coming up, and uh, we're pretty excited. We just had a big three-hour conference about it, a webinar, and we had a lot of surprises there and unveils, and we announced Jeezy also. Jeezy. Uh, so we've got Jeezy and his famous snowman. So you're going to see some really fun things with that. So it, it's a fun future of creativity, and 
David, like myself, is very creative. We like the entertainment. We love the collectible industry, as you can see, you know, from myself. I love collecting and have been for many years. And it's kind of ironic. I did it with the phone cards and we're back in AR. And here we are again, back in the collect world. But I enjoy it. I, I'm passionate about it. And, and I love it. Now, I'm always curious. Every time I watch your interviews, I see that alien in the background. Do you believe in aliens? <laughs> you know, I actually do. And I think the Navy is giving out the, the information. Yes. I've seen that. And my father, rest his soul, my father actually was an engineer whose job at Grumman at the time was to land the lunar module on the moon. That's a pretty smart wow. So yeah. he was pretty brilliant. And he actually spent a lot of time in the world of, you know, doing whether it's moon, you know, the lunar module, he worked on the A-10 airplane. He always was an aeronautical engineer. And he very much used to explain to me, he believed there had to be something else further out there. He wouldn't tell me. I mean, obviously, he probably had access to top secret stuff, but he never shared. But I always believed that, yes, there is something that's going to be out there. And you're seeing even just last week, you saw the Navy thing that just came out with the pyramid, the triangle moving and the video. You know, how can they not be, how, when you look at the Milky Way and you look at the universes and you look at how can how can we be the only one it's impossible Possible. yeah there's so many there's so many planets and stars out there i mean it's 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 amazing it's just like how is it how what what's the probability of having another life out there like us like earth exactly. right and i'm sure they've been here you know i'm not the only one to say it you see a lot of smart people do it but i think people should put in perspective how small we are in the world right that we're this little micron this little pinhole and try and do something good every day and try to accomplish something because in the end the, the universe is enormous and always try and do something good and i think that's how people should look at it in perspective but you know certainly if you have to be reminded go into a dark place you know that has a good view on a clear night and look up at the milky way and the galaxy and the stars and just it will blow you away the size of the universe that we live in and we're just this tiny 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 little thing organism right almost like a one cell yeah well, like and one cell it. yeah what do they say about the universe there's more planets than grains of sand or something here in the u.s or something like i've heard something like that that there's more planets it's some insane numbers so obviously the world is a lot bigger than we Big. all perceive and certainly a lot bigger than looking at my green and red every day and look at my stock and decide how my life is <laughs> Now, not everybody knows you're a big UFC fan. Uh, huge UFC fan. So I've been a UFC fan. Yeah, the Brazil. Funny enough, he took me to Brazil and now we're working in Brazil. So I have always been a big fan of boxing back in the Ali days and the Frazier days back in then. And then the UFC won when it started mm -hmm. was more of a, sort of like the Roman days, you know, the gladiators open the cage, put them in. There are no rules. Certainly Dana White has turned the UFC into something of significance, a major brand, but I have gone to UFC. I've seen hundreds of UFC cards. I've been the first time Conor McGregor came to the U.S. in Boston with my son. I've been in Vegas. I was there when Conor McGregor, Madison Square Garden won the double-double championship. I mean, love UFC. Still watch it today. Met many of them. I've been in the cage with Dana. Also, I had the opportunity with him and my son. Uh, I flew my son out on his 18th birthday in Vegas out to uh, one of the big cards. And then Dana invited us into the cage. And we actually have pictures of us in the cage. We've met everyone. And I, I think through the years, I've seen that also. That sport has grown. Not almost enormous. I mean, it's on ESPN. Back then, I can't even imagine ESPN. But also the athleticism of those UFC athletes now is at a whole nother level. And the recent fight, there's uh, Francis Ngannou. If anyone could look him up, you don't know. The, the man is a beast, but the, the athletic ability 
and the ability to fight is just insane. I think when you look at UFC where it's a cage and two men go in, right? One-on-one in front of everyone. I mean, you're putting yourself out there and it's pretty much, you know, you against him, no nothing else. And that's, that's where you have to rely on your strength, your experience and wisdom. And I think never have I seen anything on pure one-to-one competition that's beyond that. That's just amazing. And I admire those athletes. We've met a lot of them and they're very down to earth. Most of them, they're actually very chatty, very friendly, easy to, to get along with because what do they fight twice a year? So when they meet mm-hmm. fans, it's a very big deal to them as well. So yeah, I've been a big USC fan and will continue to be one as well. Now there's a big fight on July 10th. Who you got? Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier three. <laughs> you know, I met Dustin back in the day many years ago, and I have a picture which I don't know. His fist is probably five times the size of mine. He's the littlest guy. I've never seen a fist on him. So Dustin got beat the first time they fought. I actually thought Dustin was going to beat him because just seeing the talent as it came up, I said, ah, he'll beat Connor because Connor's just a lot of talk and he's a lot of intimidation. He has a lot of the Muhammad Ali tactics. He tries to intimidate you or the Mike before you even walk in the ring. Like you're intimidated like Mike Tyson. Most of the people who lost to Mike Tyson lost before they stepped into the ring. They were just intimidated. And with Connor, he just had that same kind of magic. So that first fight with Dustin, I'm like, ah, Dustin could beat him knowing his background. And he got beat, and I was shocked. And then this recent fight was more like Dustin, because once Connor got beat, you know, the Mysteria, the the special, you know, uh, amazement of him disappeared when he got beat. Uh, by Diaz, and then all of a sudden, Khabib, who's a wrestling champion, probably because in one of the greatest the eagle, teams. right? <laughs> yeah, and when he jumped off into the crowd after the fight, but that was really the eagle. But he totally dominated him, and I think that took away a lot where people now look at him. And Dustin certainly had the got a little surprised in the first, I think he almost got a little shaken in the first, but in this one on the rematch, I think Connor will come back strong. He's obsessive. But I think at this point, uh, it's a good shot that Dustin should be able to pull it out again. But Connor pulled out of it last week. He pulled out of the fight and said, I'm not fighting. I don't know if you remember seeing it. He goes, I'm done. Go find someone else. Because they argued over the charity donation, which yeah. Connor promised him. And then it never showed up, according to Dustin. But the point being, I think it'll be a great fight. I mean, most of the UFC fights these days are just well you know, athleticism, well-matched, they're pretty even, and they're they're pretty amazing to watch. Better than watching the Jake Paul uh, <laughs> fight this weekend. And Ben Askren two days ago, two. had a bot on him and uh, took his $500,000 <laughs> and spent about two minutes and left the ring. And everyone's saying, who's next for Jake Paul? And I think if he got into a real box, whether it's with Canelo or Mayweather, it, it wouldn't last more than a few minutes, but... He's certainly picking the victims pretty well, the guys to deal with, because they're not guys who have any background in combat sports. And he actually looks good. He looks at you know athletic, but certainly when he gets in someone who's been doing this for years, they'll get beat quite fast. And now I read I read this um, article like with the pay gap for boxing and UFC. Um, like I think <laughs> Ben, like you t- you were t- you were saying uh, Ben, who lost made like five hundred k. And um, I think when John Jones won his last fight, he made less than that. So now he's asking for more money. What do you think about like the pay gap between well, boxing and I, UFC? 
so John talks a big game and John also got caught on steroids twice. So let's be unique on those individuals. And also they don't discuss the pay-per-view points and they don't talk the additional bonus of the UFC. I agree that I think there needs to be an alignment with the UFC and certainly salary. I, I'm a strong believer that there should be some, you know, additional, you know, growth in terms of the people where they only fight a couple times a year. You can't survive on it. And certainly boxing has that path because, A, it's been around a lot longer. It's proven itself in pay-per-views with the big stars and results. UFC now is getting it, but you're starting to see it scale out where they are getting points. And they don't discuss the millions they make. And certainly that's most of the major card players. You know, you have the undercard and the main card. But I think that's something that will take care of itself if it goes forward. There are, you know, some complaints. But the major people, the major cards seem to be making some significant revenue as they go forward. And because they're getting points on the pay-per-view. And I think that's important as they go forward that they continue to do it. But certainly they should have insurance. They should have other things as part of it. But again, I think Dana White has done an enormous job, you know, in taking this from where it was to where it is today and continue to get mainstream. And he's a lot smarter in this world than I am in that. I can't ever say I'm more of a fan than a business person from that. So it's really out of my realm, but we'll go on to the next topic. That's, that's not AR on that one. Okay. Uh, now tell me if I'm wrong. Now your son is a doctor. Oh, now you're getting first. So he is a resident anesthesiologist in New York. He also is a power lifter. So he decided in college, he was uh, five foot six and weighed 140 pounds. Oh, wow. He is now competing in the New York championships and he looks like he'll compete nationally next year. So wow. he weighs probably 175, 180. I've never seen legs on it. He deadlifts, I think 535, 540. He benches wow. 340. And what's the other one? clean and jerk i think is somewhere up there so yeah so he's a doctor but also he's very committed to powerlifting and the uh to be ranked and compete nationally next year in the u.s national championships did he, did, did he ever ask you about how ar can be applied to healthcare <laughs> like physiology anatomy hey i took physiology and anatomy that's a good question. You know what? I don't discuss my work with him. I leave it alone. When I when you talk to your kids, I avoid that. I have enough of my work, 100 hours a week plus. So when we talk to him, I like to learn about what he's doing in the hospitals and what he sees in his world. So no, I avoid that at all costs. We don't dis discuss work ever. And I do have a daughter also who's in college and we never discuss ARV. Wow. So before I let you go, I do have a couple of questions for you. Who do you think is the best MMA fighter of all time? You're going back to MMA again, but these are people watching AR. I certainly, John Jones has always been mentioned, but mm -hmm. when you look at Khabib, who has been undefeated and then retired after his father passed, he had one more fight and he did beat McGregor. You know, he did beat the person nobody thought could ever be beaten. The mystique was gone. I think Khabib would be up there, certainly in the discussion with. GSP, George St. Pierre. Yeah, yeah. GSP. Uh, yeah. I was there in Madison Square Garden when he he beat uh Bish, what was it? Michael Bisping. I say it my mind went when the championship when he won it. And it was pretty amazing. He dominated Bisping in that. So I think GSP is always in the conversation. John Jones, unfortunately, as good as he is, he did steroids and he got caught twice. So to me, that eliminates it. Daniel Cormoy did never got the respect he deserved. But if you look at his track record before UFC and Triforce and then coming to UFC and the championship and what he's gone through in his life, I think he has to be part of the consideration. So you got GSP, Daniel Cornway, and I would put in Khabib, and those would be my top three. And certainly now a big fan, and I've met her, 
uh, the lioness, Amanda Nunes from the woman's side, who beat Ronda Rousey, beat everyone else, mm-hmm. and she is now a champ in three divisions right now. I would put her up is also one of the greatest, certainly on the female side without a doubt. So that'll give you four. And I'll leave John Jones off with an asterisk because when you get caught cheating, you shouldn't be considered one of the greatest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and second question, what are some of your guilty food? I eat all the time. And the Grubhub <laughs> people know our house that they don't even ask, they ask for directions. So I have a real problem. I love snacking. Uh-huh. So my guilty foods would be Italian rainbow cookies, for sure, that nobody knows. And if you don't know, Amazon actually has a decent substitute because where I live, you can get them delivered on subscription every two weeks. So I would say that's one. And cheesecake is another major one. that Love cheesecake. Love cheesecake. So not good. So that's why I don't know how many chins can you see on this? I don't have a couple of chins. So those are my guilty. If you had to pick the the ones. And the last pieces would be pizza, which is... I get Lou Malnati's deep dish delivered from Gold Belly every now and then. So they have a special. If you get five, you get the sixth one free. You don't want to miss that. Uh, and also what's the best pizza in the United States is Defara, which is in Brooklyn, which is a guy who must be 80 years old and makes each one by handmade and then his pizza as well. So there you go. You got pizza, cheesecake, and rainbow cookies. <laughs> Last question. <laughs> I thought that was a lot. That should be it. There should be nothing else. Do you want to give out my address? I'll, I'll take all free deliveries. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. So for those investors who are watching, what oh, are you we're talking to investors? I thought we were just having a personal we're, conversation. We're, we're, we're talking to investors now. For those who are watching, was, who, who, are, who are an investor to your company, imagine they are, yeah. um, what do you say to them? What do I say to them? What I say to them is what I've said in every interview. You know, if you believe in AR as being part of the future of the world, as part of our lives as much as mobile phones, if you believe that imagining our position with a platform based on its history, it is demonstrated through the deals that's closed, the partnerships we have, the patents that we have, then always look at it as a long-term investment. If you're trying to day trade a company in microcap, then imagining our may not be the best place to be. But if you're looking long-term, which is more than 24 hours, than the board people who just sit there every day and and go on about it. But if you're looking for something to look long-term, then certainly Imagine AR should be part of your consideration when you look from the air side. Our commercial platform is up and running. We are global and growing, as you can see from the deals. Our seventh patent today, which is an AR patent as well, we're Microsoft certified. And when you look at the Hype Innovation Sports Tech Innovation Lab, 1,400 applications, narrowed down to the top 40. We were one of the early ones. And then when they just had the draft day from all the partners, we were the second most selected or third most selected at 18 to date so far. And names like Sinclair Broadcasting, Rogers, Vegas Knights, Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, it's SK Gaming is pretty big too. Yeah, and we got SK Gaming as well. So when you look at that and they selected us, that should give you some, you know, feeling of positivity saying, they didn't know us before. They looked at our tech. They understand what we do, and they understand the air market, and they selected us. That should give you some confidence. So look at it long term, and uh, don't worry. I won't take another vacation day, but do send those rainbow cookies and cheesecakes from Cheesecake Factory. And pizza. And pizza from Defara, New York, or Lumal, not in Chicago. I will not accept any other pizzas. Wow. Well, uh, AP, thank you for 
for doing this. I really appreciate it. This you is are. Your birth. They this can is only my get better from here. You know, this certainly episode one. Um, we certainly started at the ground level, so it's only up from here. They can only get better. Um, thank you for doing this. Thanks for your time, and uh, hopefully, I can have you again next no, time. We're done. We're done. That's we're... I gave out all the news. There's nothing left to talk about. I think <laughs> you have the whole world ahead of you. Please call someone else. I, but to be number one, I thank you for at least letting me have the opportunity to be number one. So I appreciate it. You've always been a, a nice young man. You always write nice things about AR. So certainly when you reached out, why wouldn't we have this conversation? I thank you. Thank you, Mr. AP. Hopefully uh, you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. I know you have a busy week with you. Always do. Thank you very much. You take care. Take care. <laughs>